Welcome to What Goes Around podcast. My name is Anne Frankenstein. And I'm Eamon Murtaugh. We are both uh, working DJs and music obsessives. Would you agree, Eamon? I would. That's all I do from morning, noon and night is think about music, love music and arrange music in nice, satisfying patterns. <laughs> that is the definition of an obsessive. I feel the same way too and uh, hopefully you do as well and that's why you're tuned in. This podcast is going to have a variety of features and one of our favourites is called The Phonographic Memory. This is where we get a guest to come into the studio and discuss with us those moments in their life when a piece of music really touched their soul and changed their life. I will also be talking about people who work in or around or adjacent to the music industry, demystifying their job a little bit uh, and getting their best stories. Sometimes funny, sometimes sad. Everyone from the uh, record seller at the market to the bouncer on the door of your favourite club. And we want you to get involved in any way you can. We will be asking questions that matter and questions that don't matter. We just want to hear your stories about how music affects your life and how you feel about the big bad boom. Each week we'll also be uh, starting with a segment called What Goes Around where we'll be celebrating your responses and uh, reading out some of the funniest ones to our Twitter polls and Twitter questions and we'll also be having a, a nice informal chat, sometimes a bit of a moan about what goes around in our world that week. So without further ado, shall we uh, put the needle on it? And, put the uh, needle on the record. <laughs> Hello and welcome to What Goes Around, a brand new podcast with me, Eamon Murtagh and... Me, Anne Frankenstein. And this podcast is more concerned with music lovers than music makers. So really, it's about you and the little people that make the big world of music go round. <laughs> All the little people. No one's a little people in that. Come here, we can do that, we're Irish. It's fine. <laughs> yes, exactly. I guess the first thing to ask, Anne, is what goes around? What goes around? Well, this week uh, I have been delving into some interesting musical caverns. On um, Wednesday night last week, my boyfriend downloaded the film Downtown 81. Have you ever seen that one? No, I have not. It's uh, a film that Jean-Michel Basquiat made. Oh. And um, I, I don't think it was ever properly released. I think Tim got it through some kind of nefarious internet means. But basically it is... Um, it's kind of a very lo-fi, it's a bit like Wild Style, the hip-hop film, but it's kind of set in New York, kind of post-punk era. Yeah. Jean-Michel Basquiat wakes up in hospital and then there's sort of this loose storyline where he wanders around New York, encounters all these different bands, sneaks into a Kid Creole and the Coconuts gig. Oh, who hasn't done um, that? <laughs> I wish I could add that to my list of achievements. Um, notched to my bedpost. Um, well, Anne, he's not your daddy. <laughs> oh, oh, you know, Popeye. Good. Good. <laughs> um, it's just such a good film. There's a moment in it. It's one of those things you're watching it and you're like, I just can't believe this exists. Like, even mm. just watching Jean-Michel Basquiat walking around and moving around in the world and being human, it's just so amazing to see him. And there's this incredible bit where this um, homeless woman and sort of is like lying around in the garbage and sort of calls him over. And the brilliant thing about it as well is that like, obviously they didn't have an effective microphone to record the audio. So it's all really badly dubbed over afterwards, <laughs> which just adds to the appeal so much. But there's this moment where 
this like bag lady is calling him over into the dark and she's like, give me a kiss and I'll grant you a wish. And eventually he does and um, she turns into Debbie Harry and they have a big snog. Well, and it's just this incredible moment. Yeah, it's like, well, I can't yeah, believe this isn't No it. one's going to say no to that. <laughs> exactly. Oh my God. It's just an amazing film and it's just like, there's so many amazing musical performances and there's that track that... Um, that Jean-Michel Basquiat made with Cody Mundy, um, which is, uh, do you know it? It's called like uh, something Con Ritmo, amazing track. Oh, yeah, I think I do. Yeah, I, it's I, like I, him yeah. kind of reciting sort of these biblical type um, verses over the top of like art crazy rock. Ri- yeah, sort of like art rock. <laughs> like but... art rock, man. We got Sonic Youth here, we did art rock. <laughs> yeah, but it's worth watching. Um, so yeah, my my wife went to the uh, Basquiat exhibition when it was. Did on. you not go? Uh, I didn't go because uh, I was uh, working and doing other things. But she oh. went and had a lovely time. And we've got a rather nice book on oh, the coffee yeah. table. Not that we have a coffee table, but if we had one, <laughs> that's where we'd probably keep it. <laughs> yeah. What I'm liking about your uh, initial item there is that uh-huh. you've chosen a film that isn't available. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to show, you know, for all the little around, people you'll listening. Never find out. <laughs> it is. I mean, if you know how to use the internet better yeah, than I do, then you'll be able to find it. It's definitely worth seeking out, though. And also, let's be honest, the element of exclusivity is all part of the appeal. That's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah, we didn't, you didn't come here to make things easy for people. Yeah, exactly. We came here to show off about what we know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Why else would we have a podcast? I need an outlet for showing off. Actually, in fact, that's definitely the coolest thing I've watched or listened to within at least the last six months. So, yeah, glad I have an outlet for that. Are not princes, kings, ancient and honorable, neither sword nor spear dispersed to the four corners of the earth for the sickles, for the mattocks, for the forks, for the axes? And the earth was formless, void, darkness upon the face of the deep. The spirit moved across the water and there was light. It was good. What about you? What goes around with you this Well, week? I did throw out to Twitter a couple of questions as well. Um, and the, I thought, our first news I saw was that uh, Apple are getting rid of iTunes. I didn't so know I, that. Uh, yeah, no, they get rid of iTunes. They get rid of it um, after 20-odd years. And so I threw it out to the world and I said, guys, quick poll about the demise of iTunes. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Will you weep at the loss? Will you dance at its grave? Or will you shrug a bit and move on? Well, 73% of people decided to shrug a bit and move on. So, let's move on. (laughs) What goes around? What goes around? Well, I wanted to give a little shout out. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, I can help you with that. I've got some laxative. A little shout. Shout out uh, 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 to my fella Tim, who just won an award for the album cover yeah. art that he created for Modified Man. Um, the story behind that, so you should all go and check it out. Tim Easley just won the AOI Design Award. Uh, he created this circuit board out of plasticine, born out of a conversation with uh, my friends Dave Core and Adam Scrimshire, who have a record label called Albert's Favourites um, and a band called Modified Man, a great electronic band. Um, and they wanted Tim to create a piece of art for their album cover, uh, Adam had a load of wine that he was testing in advance of his wedding. Um, so he said, come over and have some wine. I don't drink. Tim had one glass of wine. Adam went to the bathroom and then Tim turned around to me and said, wine makes me really drunk. <laughs> <laughs> so the rest of the conversation was basically the two of them talking absolute nonsense. There was a concept that they came up with for like... Um, 
an action figure tied down to a plank to represent like Superman 2, uh, this this uh, scene where Superman is tied down to a plank and he's in some kind of lab and very elaborate description of everything that was going to happen. And Tim, having had a couple of glasses of wine, completely forgot the entire conversation. I had to remind him of everything that was said. <laughs> and then he ended up making a circuit board out of plasticine instead. Well, I've seen it and it is a marvel. Um, as an aside, I want a glass of that wine. But uh, it is, it's the work of a mad genius. Yes. Because yeah. uh, I don't know if you've, if you go and have a look at it, guys, because uh, he's made the circuit board out of plasticine and it's so perfect and so intricate and has loads of layers and lots of different components. And it must have just locked himself in a basement for a year and not come out because <laughs> it is the work of a mad genius. Well, funnily enough, I was in um, Giant Steps on Sunday night and uh, Adam from Modified Man introduced me to Tom Ravenscroft and said, Anne's boyfriend is the one who designed the cover for our album. And Tom picked it out, picked the record out of his bag. He had it with oh, wow. him and he held it up and he said, is your boyfriend a murderer? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I have thought about that many times. Yeah. But that's made me very happy this week as I think it's well-deserved. Well, um, I have to agree. It, uh, you know, it's one of those things where uh, it's nice. It's always nice to see someone, you know, do well. Um, and when you when it's someone who is very nice as well, and that's a double bonus. <laughs> and it really is an excellent piece of work, and it's going to be on display at Soho House. Somerset House. Somerset House. Yeah, yeah. In, uh, yeah. Definitely go and see it because it's it's a great bit of design and well deserved. Well done, Tim. <laughs> Woo! Uh, this weekend, I did my first wedding without Jackson. How was that? Uh, I was asked for Michael Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> it was, I was, you know, you always ask for a million things at weddings. So, DJs hate playing weddings because what you generally people don't really understand. But DJs like go all this thing where they they get their stuff together, they think really hard about what they're going to play, how they're going to make the whole night brilliant, and that sort of thing. And then they arrive, and there's a room, and there's 150 people from all over the world that might know each other. Half of them will kind of know each other, but the rest of them are complete strangers. And they all drink all day long, <laughs> listen yeah. to some really boring speeches. And then it's like the starting gun goes off and you're straight into disco land. And uh, what I wanted to know, really, was uh, what was the worst stroke best thing you ever heard at a wedding. Mm -hmm. I used to yeah. work in computer games and I worked with a girl who came down the aisle to the theme from Zelda. Oh, amazing. Which is lovely. And here, here some other ones. Uh, Paul Grenfell, my friend, went to one and they came down to the Rocky theme. They triumphantly marched down to the end of the aisle. The bride looked a bit confused <laughs> for a second and mouthed something that looked like, I didn't think you were bloody serious before joining in with the march. <laughs> These are great. Are you ready for these? these yeah, go on. So, someone called Banana Fox Jones. Oh, yeah, this. yeah. I love this. Can't believe that name is taken. Even the first line of this is genius. <laughs> yeah. My dad's, open brackets, now ex, close brackets, <laughs> wife. <laughs> I mean, could stop there and I'd be happy with that tweet, but <laughs> yeah. I've got more. My dad's, now ex-wife, came into the theme from Jaws. <gasps> he found out about it just as it was happening and loudly blurted out, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> 
<laughs> she later had to be carried out and put in the recovery position as she was so drunk she was spewing down her own dress. It was a magical day. <laughs> I mean, that's what some people aim for at the end of their wedding, isn't it? Yeah, no, and it's not bad. That's a marker of a good time to some people. I am. Um, I was at a wedding recently. My friend Sasha got married, and her very posh, well-to-do dad gave her away. Walked her down the aisle to the tune of, not to the tune of, to the actual song "Bring Your Daughter to the Slaughter." Oh, a maiden, yeah. a maiden, maiden. Nice. <laughs> yeah. This is from Lee Spoons. It says. Uh, the one and only thing I remember about my in-law's big day 20-odd years ago was that the DJ, who was only about 17 and standing in for someone, was hopelessly out of his depth. And it must have been the bride's sister's friend and nephew or something. Anyway, he played Bound for the Reload Casualty Mix by Oxide Nishino, <laughs> which just sounds absolutely... Can you imagine? I'm just thinking of, like, what my elderly relatives would make of... <laughs> all that kind of stuff. But there's a certain period in time where that would have been a staple at a lot of weddings, I well, feel. Well, I guess. Uh, so, best. Uh, this is from The Wrong Tom. The best song I heard was probably when my mates got married along with um, some other couples on stage. Ooh. Ooh wow, OK. Marriage. Was uh, it a Mooney wedding? Could have been, couldn't yeah. it? Good. There was a brass section playing from the boxes... And the venue's newly restored organ was accompanying a full choir and they performed It Must Be Love with the whole house joining in oh, and I stop. cried. That is nice. That makes me want to weep. But then he says, the worst <laughs> was when I was DJing at a wedding and I dropped Getting Married by Yellow Man at my mate's do and then I followed up with a B-side for a laugh, Divorce. <laughs> Later, a pot-bellied pig ran amok and the caterer got so drunk that she collapsed into her own potato salad. That's a wedding, isn't it? What That's kind of... Some kind of far, a moony wedding and then a farm wedding. Well, who invited the pig? <laughs> <laughs> So the Spitalfields Record Fair happens a few times a year. I think once every two weeks, actually, in Spitalfields Market in East London. Eamon and I went along just as some of the stalls were packing up. It was getting a bit chilly outside, a bit dark uh, in the middle of, well, the beginning of winter. And uh, we went to talk to some of the uh, record sellers there to find out what motivates them to continue to sell records outdoors in crappy weather. How much must they love it in order to keep going? Now, what goes around podcast? Let's work where we go out into the wider world of music and we think not about the pop stars in the spotlight, but we think about perhaps the people holding the spotlight, the bouncer at the door, the person behind the bar. Yes, the little people. Selling records is like selling drugs. The more you buy, you just keep some for yourself and sell the rest off. Does that mean you've got a house full of records even bigger it does, than this? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a terrible habit. You know, you, are, you tend to only remember the good music from a particular time, where there's just as many bad records. So true. What's the greatest treasure that you've come across while you've been buying and selling? Oh, that's, that's got to be an album called Pussy Plays by a group called Pussy. When I started in 1968, there was no such thing as collectible records. I guess it was the early 70s, mid-70s, they started becoming collectible. Some things you didn't see anymore, you couldn't get them. And that was because, um, I think the Syria, Syria invaded Israel and the price of oil shot up. Therefore, a lot of the record companies had to recycle their vinyl that was on their warehouses for donkey's years, decades. So overnight, records became rare. To see, the second-hand market has always been quite buoyant. 
quite good, yeah. So I've been doing it for now over 40 years. And, uh, I, I still enjoy it. Once, if I stopped enjoying it, I'd just, I'd get rid of a lot. Chuck it all in the bin, I don't care. Give some call when you do that, give some call. We'll take it off your hands. Well, that's my next question. Do you think this revival is just a revival or do you think it's, it's going to be vinyl now, it's going to be the thing indefinitely? I think it's got a place now. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I think the CD has died. The only people who are buying CDs are people who have CD players. Obviously, it's a pretty cold day. When you're back next month, it's going to be even colder. What keeps you coming back here to sell your record? Money. (laughs) (laughs) Next up is a feature we like to call phonographic memory, in which we reflect on the melodies and the songs that instantly take you back. What we're going to do right here is go back. Way back. Now, music is a time-based medium in more ways than one. Sure, each listen takes as long as it takes, but equally, some songs only find their resonance at a certain point in your life. These songs can act as signposts, not only for a time and place, but often to remind you of who you were at the time and how you felt at a particular juncture in your life. Our guest today is DJ, composer, producer, percussionist and reggae ambassador, Wrong Tom. With over 90 releases to his name, DJ Wrong Tom has worked with some of the very best in the business, producing, remixing and reimagining music for over two decades with the likes of Hardfi, Roots Maneuver, The Ragga Twins, Tiny Temper, London Posse, General Levy, Palmer International, Django Django, Mark Professor, D.B. Cohen and many, many more. His incredible Wrong Tom Meets compilation was released earlier this year on the True Thoughts label and catalogues some of the many highlights from his long and distinguished career behind the mixing desk. Wrong Tom. Welcome to What Goes Around. Hello. Yeah, rockers, easy now, man. Oh, yeah, me. Wrong Tom means rocker twins, yeah. Easy juggling. Yeah. Watch this, yeah. Wrong Tom, I got me rocker twins. And we are gonna drop some wicked rhythm. Tell them, said that we're not stalling. I just the vibe, I just the vibe, I just the vibe. When we bring the vibe to you, you better be weird, cause we come for beat them. Yeah, you know what I said. We are gonna draw some rhythm and lyrics, everybody are gonna say. Yeah, say rock and twins. We are gonna bust this one. Make them know we are real champion. Long time we are jamming from the microphone stand. And when we're coming out the dance, you know the dance, it's time to run me just the vibes. Yeah, it's all the vibes. We tell you what the dance are vibes. Wicked, 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 wicked vibes. The vibes they keep in the beat. I'm intimidated. <laughs> I know. I told you I'd researched. Have I done all that? <laughs> hey, you've done 90 releases. 90. 90. I think it's more than that, actually. Oh, I was quite surprised. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you should have interrupted and corrected. Yeah, excuse me. Yeah, yeah, actually, oh. I, I worked out I'd done over 250 remixes. Um, some of them are all, all on the same release. Hang on, we did two yeah. on the same release. Yeah, yeah. So, like, oh, like, like Duppy Wright has got like, like, six, 12 yeah. remixes or whatever in it. But yeah, all together. Yeah, I think I've done about now since I worked out. I think I've done another four, so nearing the 260 remixes mark. How did you pick the tracks that went on the album that came out this year? I just kind of uh, I threw loads of letters at the fridge, <laughs> like, <laughs> and saw technique. what what looked like my track titles. Um, I think I knew that it was going to start with the Lakuta remix. And then it was going to have the uh, Quantic Soul Orchestra pushing on Scar One, and then I just, and then I just kind of like rolled out from there and, and just 
Yeah, it's just it really is hit and miss, just chucking stuff in there and seeing what sounds right next to the last than yeah. the last one. And I, th- I think I'm I kind of I think I've got quite good at programming albums. I remember doing Duffy Writer and Roots Maneuver was kind of like you know that's all that's really well put together. How did you do that? And I was just like, you've been putting albums together longer than me. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> um, I, you know, it's probably like yourselves. It's just you spend a lot of your life putting one tune next to the other that's, one that's when you're playing out. And That's basically what yeah. I do all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's it. That's my life at the moment. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Anyway, so today we have asked you to pull out three tracks that take you back. So without further ado, let's wheel up and come again. What is the first piece of music that you've brought along today, Tom? The first track I am going to play today is called You Mean I'm Not by Black Sheep. Now, we better warn you that the next track has a little bit of swearing in it and could be a tiny bit offensive if you are of a sensitive disposition. But fear not, it's all a bit tongue-in-cheek and, as you'll see by the end of the clip, it's not so bad. Yo, motherfucker! What the fuck you looking at? Yo, get out my motherfucking face right now! Yo, man, trip this. I was down on Ave, man. This nigga looked at me wrong, so I pulled up my motherfucking nine and I smoked his ass! Woke up, didn't choke up, saw my AK, it was broke up. Put it together like a jigsaw. Got my nine and my Rambo knife off the floor. Went to the bathroom and beat the rush. Yo, who the fuck used my toothbrush? Went to my sister's room, yo, bitch, wake up. You stupid ass, dirty ass, nasty ass slut. Got in the leg, shot in the thigh. Kicked in the pussy and punched in the eye. Slapped in the head, stepped on the corn. Don't fuck with my bitch, word is born. Went downstairs, eat with my folks. Ma, you broke my fucking egg, yo. Punch in the chest, got on her cheek. Then I did a sweep, knocked the bitch off her feet. Knee to the pussy, kick to the skull. AK, you shot the bitch in the temple. Pop got mad, cause mom got licked. I didn't give a fuck, so I shot him in the dick. Hungry ass fuck, sent my grace. Pop kept screaming, so I shot him in the face. Ate my food, found my coat. Mailman came, so I cut his motherfucking throat. Waiting for the motherfucking school bus. Oh. Yo, yo, uh, yo, 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 dress, yo, dress. Yo, I had a motherfucking dream, man. What the fuck was the dream about, Z? I dreamed that I was hard, hard, hard. I'm unfamiliar with both the artist and the track. What is it? Where did it come from? When is it from? Black Sheep are... You know the Native Tongues family? De La Soul, Tribal Quest, Jungle Brothers. Black Sheep are literally the black sheep of the family. And they're kind of, you know, the whole shtick of Native Tongues was like the Daisy Age and mm. it was all kind of, it was slightly worthy and they weren't gangster. Yeah. Um, Black Sheep were kind of the naughty ones, you know, and they did talk about girls and, and it, uh, you know, they, they, weren't, they weren't gangster rappers. And actually, as you hear from, from that track, the, the album opens with a gangster rap tune and then he wakes up. So they were like the yippies to the hippie. Yeah. And the soul thing. <laughs> yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. So how old were you when you first heard the track? When I first heard it, I was, I think it came out in 91, so I would have been 16. Okay. But it relates to an event which occurred when I was about 21. And for some reason, I dug out the, the album and I've been listening to it loads that summer. And I had it on in the car whilst a bunch of my mates were, were, we're all out for a drive. We're driving around Tolworth, which is uh, just some kind of flea pit suburb, sort of near Kingston, just off the A3. 
and we were blaring out this track, this kind of faux gangster rap tune. And in Tolworth. In Tolworth. Uh, <laughs> I don't you, know, was I, it a convertible? Did you have the top down? No, no, no. I, was probably, I think I was... What was I driving back then? I was probably driving a mini Metro. Oh, that is gangster. Yeah, a brown mini... I think it was my brown mini Metro. Amazing. Might have been. I generally, I've never had any fancy cars. I've always just had crap secondhand cars that last me about nine months and then die horribly. I feel like brown cars um, don't even exist anymore. No, I don't think you can get a brown car. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was it was the ultimate granny mobile. Um, late night, about one a.m., driving through the back streets of Tolworth, blaring out this this faux gangster rap tune, and everyone in the car knows the lyrics, and we're all shouting along with it and spot this red-faced, angry lady standing outside her house who's just eyeing us. And we don't, you know, I don't, I don't think anyone really engaged with that. We just kind of, like, out of the back of, out, at the back of my mind, I'm just like, that lady was really, really quite upset with us, shouting, swearing, listening to, gangster, like, faux gangster rap in a mini-metro. And then I carried on. Drove to the end of the road, and the road connected onto the A3, which is the uh, the main A road that cuts round the back of Kingston Way. And actually, if you want to drive all the way, it takes you all the way to Portsmouth. But we didn't. So we're just... <laughs> I don't know where we were going who, who, at that who hour. Who wants to go there? I think we were probably just driving around late at night, having having some fun. Bunch of swell guys in a car shouting. And next thing I know, this car comes across two lanes of traffic at me almost hitting the side of my car and I'd slam my you know I don't slam my brakes I hit the accelerator and I burn it up the road and suddenly there's blue lights behind me and then there's blue lights coming from all angles pretty much and this one guy in this which turned what turns out to be an undercover police car is like next to me going pull over like swearing at me swearing at me through the window and I'm just like what is going on so we're kind of pushed onto the, the slip road that comes off the Tolworth roundabout to Tol- sorry, comes onto the Tolworth roundabout and another car blocks our path at the end and there are police cars everywhere a big police van and they drag us out of the car and they drag two of my mates um, and pull them to the side and then basically keep us behind a police line while they're lined up with some other guys I, the police had just got out of nowhere. I don't know what they were doing, but they created this impromptu police lineup on the side of the road. <laughs> and a police van goes past with lights on so you couldn't see into it. And they, like I said, it's an impromptu police lineup with my two friends in it. And the lady that we'd seen on the side of the street was inside the van. And she, she, probably the wrong turn of phrase, she fingered my two friends. <laughs> <laughs> Had to be said. Yeah, go on. And you know, next thing I know, next thing you know, their their collars are being felt, and they're in the back of the police car, and we're basically being told that they uh, they've been accused of smashing up her car. What? And she said that she'd seen them escape in a mini metro. Oh man! The confusing thing is, though, the police said that when when she reported it, she said it was a red one. Mm. Well, we all know it was brown. Yeah, yeah. it is. Mine was brown. And let's be honest, you know, it's not a mistake you're likely to make. Is it? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. You, you know, a brown mini metro is yeah, it sticks yeah. out like a sore thumb. It's the granny car that's going down the street. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so my mates that had been with me all night had apparently smashed up her car, despite having been with me all night, and we hadn't done any car smashing yeah. that night or for a long time. 
That's <laughs> a long, long time. <laughs> has happened. Has happened in the past. Yeah. Um, and this this went to court. Oh right. All yeah, the way. It went, yeah, it went I... all the way. She she got us in court. What? And it got it got more surreal. So we we all had to go and and be witnesses to our friends and say they weren't there. This didn't happen. We were just driving past, shouting along with black yeah, sheep. Yeah. Yeah. When this irate woman spotted it's us and decided it was definitely rap. us. It's faux it was, this, what, this is what, what's amazing <laughs> about it. But so so we're waiting in court and this became a farce. Now at the time, I had dreadlocks. Mm. Oh, believe it or not. It's a gangster rap. Dreadlocks. <laughs> Dreadlo- I well, mean, it'd be a full out if he wasn't driving car. around. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, yeah. it, was, it was blanket dread and I always kept it in a hat. And they said, if I take the stand, I have to take my hat off. And at this point, my hair was... I never took. I never showed my hair at the time. I, I actually had a bit of an issue about getting my hair out. Um, and, yeah, I didn't want to. And I said to the the guy, I don't know what they're called, there's somebody that's kind of like... He's almost like the MC of the court. <laughs> and um, the, the master of ceremonies the comes in. I'm sure that wouldn't have worked in um, your favour. <laughs> you, you spent too many times out in gigs. They're, they're, yeah. not, they're definitely not called MC. The he was like MC. the MC. <laughs> Well, so this, so this guy, when uh, when Step I told him, <laughs> come down, my selector. Um, when he when he he realised that I didn't want to take my hat off, he said, "Well, there's one way around this, and maybe if you could convince us, you're Sikh." <laughs> and I was just like, "You're just having a joke now," and I was like, I mean, "How am I supposed to do that?" And he said, "Well, I mean, if you can prove you're circumcised." <laughs> <laughs> wow, that is a, a lesson that no one was expecting. So I didn't. Funnily enough, I didn't. I didn't get my little ticket out and show him because I'm, I'm not going to go into details. But anyway, you could have just um, shown him a little dagger. Yeah, but they all carry a little. Dagger well, this. I mean, funnily enough, I'm not Sikh. Yeah. <laughs> I don't carry a little dagger, particularly when I'm appearing in court. Um, but then, in the middle of this, the lady never showed up. The whole thing got thrown out. And this entire thing was a complete waste of everybody's time. I have I have questions about this, right? So she said her car was smashed up. Did she smash up her own car in order to, out of resentment, accuse your friends of smashing up her car just so you get in trouble? Was the car who, smashed? Who knows? Is that why she didn't turn up in court? Maybe, maybe she imagined, maybe car? she didn't even have a car. Because <laughs> <laughs> when you describe that experience of driving around, listening to loud music, shouting and yelling, it makes me think of my bedroom, which looks out onto Amherst Road in Hackney, one of the loudest roads in Hackney. And I, I know your type, blasting your phone <laughs> Instagram. And I can imagine, but I'm, I'm not saying I relate to her 100%. Yeah, you've, got, you've got the council <laughs> on speed dial, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, but they never Are pick you, up, that's the problem. You're the irate woman, the red-faced <laughs> irate woman. You smash out my car. Matching up her own yeah. property together. Not going to lie. Yeah, but you know, um, yeah, it just it just made me made me think. There's another side to this story. I, I think be. if I looked out and there was like a nice um, civilized brown car out there, I'd be like, okay, maybe they're not so bad. But yeah, I be- I, I have a feeling that if that many police came out and they were willing to try and run me off the road, yeah, and there was a roadblock and an impromptu um, police lineup. I reckon they probably would have checked out her car to see it. It was smashed, at least. Well, um, whether she smashed it herself, we don't <laughs> you know. Said she was angry. Yeah, yeah. maybe. But that's... <laughs> but it, the the space of time between her seeing us and and the police appearing was mm. too short for her to have sufficiently yeah. smashed yeah. up her car and called the police. Yeah, in. maybe someone so, else. 
Maybe yeah. someone she knew smashed her car and then she wanted to pin the blame. She was like, this is the perfect foil. Here are these annoying kids. I can get them into trouble. My car's being smashed. I'm annoyed. I don't know. I relate to this woman <laughs> far more than I think your story invited me to. I think it's a, it's a colour issue. It was a, you know, she, because I'm brown. <laughs> it's because my car's brown. Exactly. Well, that is quite amazing. Uh, the idea that you would... Uh, you would be asked to prove that you're a Sikh in a court of law <laughs> when you're plainly not one is, is quite a leap. By showing my penis. <laughs> I mean, no, no less. That, that sounds like... Not just prove I'm a Sikh, prove it via penis. Yeah. How yeah. do you feel when you listen to that song now? Is it awkward to listen to it? Is it? Will it always be tied up with that specific memory? Is it tainted? It's, it's, it's joyful. <laughs> I feel joy here. I, I feel joy that I've never been circumcised. <laughs> I thought you were Jewish. <laughs> Don't look at me, I'm American. <laughs> Shall we move on? Moving on. What's your next track, Tom? <laughs> <laughs> You're in charge of editing. You My next track is called Fully Retractable by a band called Soul Coughing. was half my mind uh, I don't dispute the doubts you've outlined uh, but it's my right to waste your time uh, in these things it stands to reason these things won't kill me your feelings the spattering of bores me don't tell me burning on the eighth of May Spectacular I walked the half moon by the bus stop Sliding across the street to her Three stains Sequentially three stains won't kill me Speeling gracelessly is my grief Please tell me Boosted sling back, fully retractable, half massive base, boosted sling back, fully retractable, half massive base, boosted sling back, fully retractable, half massive base, boosted sling back, fully retractable. They came out of the, the knitting factory in New York in the uh, kind of early to mid 90s. The lead singer was the doorman. And he rounded up various band members that are all kind of slightly older than him and kind of experimental jazz musicians of sorts. Um, and they started out, I think most of them started out working with uh, John Zorn. Okay, yeah, You know, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. that kind of New York Genius. experimentalist sort of, sort of jazz. On a side jazz. Note, I've got a John Zorn record uh, and it's him playing the music of Ornette Coleman really, really fast. And if you play it at 45 RPM, it sounds like Sweep from Sooty and Sweep in a squash court <laughs> <laughs> being beaten around the head. But I digress. I was, I was watching um, the episode of um, Sooty and Sweep the other day, as you do. Uh, <laughs> I, can't, I, I looked it up because um, 
they they did an episode where uh, Matthew has a fight with Jeff Capes. I'm, yeah, 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 yeah. You remember? <laughs> I'm, I'm all across this story. Yeah, I, I can't remember why I was even watching it, but um, I, I, I sent a link to it to uh, my friend Steve, whose dad is a, uh, a budgie fancier, mm-hmm. and he knows Jeff Capes because he's Big also the yeah, world. yeah. They're kind of the pair of them have have crossed paths in the budgie world. Yeah. Um, where was I? <laughs> <laughs> I think you should carry so on in this direction. Fault. I want to hear we, more. <laughs> We were talking about the doorman who was a friend of John Zorn who started... Soul band. Coughing, yes. The Soul Coughing were... Um, they they were sort of indie, but they had this kind of jazz, live hip-hop, quasi-funk backing uh, with a guy that... He was a keyboardist, but he played samples. Mm. So sometimes he wasn't really playing a melody, he was just playing kind of ethereal noises and... So their, their first album was quite dark and they sold themselves as um, as satanic slacker jazz or something like that they had a double bassist and they were a bunch of weirdos basically and I, I love weirdos um, and I was quite taken with this band it really did change my perception of music because before that I was I, I, when I was growing up I listened to kind of mainly hip hop and reggae and electro and stuff like that and then I, I went to college and when I was 16 I got into like rock music and live music I hadn't really listened to guitar music prior to that and I discovered I mean the first indie music I listened to was um, Shoegazer mm-hmm. bands like Medicine and Telescopes yeah, and yeah. My Bloody Valentine um, and then you know I just started listening further and like listening to the Pixies and stuff like that and I think when I heard Soul Coughing because they had that kind of dissonant guitar sound that you got mm. from like, a band like the Pixies but then they had these kind of hip hop and jazz beats with double bass and samples, it kind of brought everything together for me. And Satanism. Course, and they, yeah. they weren't actually Satanists, but they did seem to kind of, uh, they referenced a lot of dark movies. And un- unlike yourselves, I do like a horror and I like a B-movie and I, I like quite off-key stuff. And um, one of my favourite films growing up was Cue the Winged Serpent by Larry Cohen. which amazing. is It's it's very strange and kind of cute for a film that has people having their skin flayed off and 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 a serpent that lives in the Chrysler building that every now and then comes out and 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 steals people from roofs and eats them and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but there there seem to be a lot of references to that, <laughs> or it felt like there were, and that like that really brought like pulled me in as well. Satanism was big in the nineties, though, wasn't it? It was What's like that? a Satanism was quite big in the nineties. Yeah. With you, <laughs> <laughs> I was a mere babe in the nineties. Yeah. I don't, I, I wasn't around right. to appreciate Satanism. Know, old Slayer and all that. Yeah. And, I think the, but like, a, but like there was a lot of um, there was a lot of stuff being blamed on Satanism. That was the eighties. Like, oh, okay. Yeah, I the, that the, bled over into the nineties. In, in, in the states, now, when were you in the states? Oh, mate, I left when I was tiny. Right. I, was, I, was a, I was a wee baby, but I did work in a you record shop sacrificed at the end of the 80s, tw- start of the 90s, and saw a lot of Satan-influenced metal. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, that's, nothing's changed there, has it? That's, I that's mean, just Satan's like, influence is very wide and yeah. far-reaching. I, I think it was almost like they were just trying not to sell records by <laughs> describing themselves as Satanists. Um, but anyway, so by 98, they released their third and last album. And... They'd kind of they crossed into drum and bass. They were working with Optical, wow. the drum and bass producer. Mm-hmm. The drummer went off to work with Ronnie Size. Was it Crust? Mm-hmm. One of them? No, it was Crust. Ronnie Size had Crust his own drummer. The, the one who had all the yeah. dark, weird kind yeah. of sounds. So he had um, the drummer Yuval Gabe was the um, was his kind of his drum and bass guy. Mm-hmm. Kind of very fast and very technical. Um, so they're just doing this mad stuff, but. 
this relates to the first track. Mm. This is still part of the story. Really mm. Bring it, bring it. Because, so one night around 98, still living in Kingston at the time, this is, at, at this point, I was living in the town centre in the marketplace, number one the marketplace, in a building owned by Bob Geldof. Wow. Um, who was technically my landlord, but we never met him. Mm. Um, we didn't have any radiators. There was no central heating. It got very cold. At one point, I even considered calling up XFM when he was presenting <laughs> on it, just to say, Bob, we need radiators. I think Geldof would yeah. have a bit more of a heart. Closer well, to home. He's well, yeah. He was always know, singing about tenements. Get your priorities in order. He was my dad's best friend growing up. Really? And uh, they fell out. And then any time uh, he came on the TV when I was a kid, my dad switched that bloody Geldof <laughs> off. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I relate. There's a dark side to Geldof. I know all yeah, about it. The dark side of Geldof. <laughs> the satanic slacker jazz side of Geldof. <laughs> yeah. So he was our landlord that we never met. And he... Um, he he just seemed to have a kind of like Irish mafia running the building for him, and they didn't seem to care either. So they gave it over to this guy who we I don't remember what his his first name was. He was known as G G Movio, and he ran. He was an Italian guy who ran a Chinese restaurant in North London, and rarely ever came to pick up his rent. Uh, so London, like, yeah. I did everything in one one sentence. There. <laughs> <laughs> Showed up like once every three months and just looked really flustered and asked us to just give him what money we had, which was never enough. And it was brilliant because we were living for absolute bugger all in this this amazing old building owned by Bob Bob Geldof. Um, this has nothing to do with the story, by the way. <laughs> That's good though. <laughs> anyway, so I live in I live at number one, the marketplace in Kingston. I'd been out. I'd, I think I'd been to my mum and dad's. And I was driving home, and it was a bit of a drive back back to Kingston from there. And for some reason, I took this funny detour via a town called Chesington. And I can't remember why I went this way, but Bob Geldof used to live in Chesington, actually. <laughs> Maybe that's why. Little, <laughs> actually, where's the heater, Bob? Where's yeah, the radio? Yeah, that was it. Just seeing if he was around, just calling him my window. Like, I'm very cold, Bob. <laughs> He looks um, out the window. There's a little brown mini inside. Yeah. He's like, "Oh God, turn the lights off." No, this was this was post brown mini. I think oh, at this enough. point I was driving a white Escort, maybe. Mm, you had all the good ones. Yeah, yeah. Had had had, had <laughs> been through a lot of fancy cars. <laughs> it was the life of a record producer. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, no. I didn't. Anyway, the car doesn't really matter. So, <laughs> so I'm driving driving through Chesington. Uh, again, pretty late. It's probably about you know like sort of one, two a.m. or something. And I noticed this um, this like real like rude boy mobile driving like you know like body kit like black, like blacked out windows and all that. I can't remember if it had lights underneath, but it definitely looked like it had been fixed up. You know, mm. it was like it was a fancy car that people went out driving around and probably had a very very loud exhaust on the back and all that and but I just noticed it driving along behind me very quiet streets and we're driving along and I took a turning and they were still behind me and then a little bit up the way I took another turning and they were still behind me and then I thought right I'm going to take another turning which doesn't really go anywhere of any significance and if they're still following me there's a problem um whole time listening to Soul Coughing because this is my favourite album at the time. And sure enough, they follow me. So at this point, I'm like, this they're actually following me now, and this is getting a bit strange. And it probably didn't help that I was listening to Deep Slacker. Satanist, no, satanist, <laughs> satanist, satanist jazz. Um, 
So I'm I'm thinking, right, I'm going to see if I can shake them. And I'm going back through, <laughs> we're back through Tolworth, so I'm going back through Tolworth at this point, and I've got a friend called Sarah who used to stay up very, very late, and every now and then I'd pop around hers and, like, just shut up. It was her mum and her, her mum's house. Her, her dad had died by this point, but it was her mum's house, and I'd show up and at all hours, and she'd be up, knock on the window and go in for a cup of tea. So... I decided to go down her street, which was this kind of strange circle street that you'd go in and there were these little higgledy-piggledy bits and, and tiny little side roads that go to houses and kind of like a, a, a miniature estate almost. And I went down there and I thought, right, I'm going to drive up to hers and run up and basically go, let me in, there's a guy chasing me. Um, and I got there and it was probably the first time in years that the lights were out. So I, I'm... You know, I'm just like, what am I going to do? I've I've got a mobile by this point. I think it was '98. I think I I must, yeah, I must have done because I would have tried ringing her. No answer. I'm like, shit, this is bad. I've got this guy following me, and he's going to appear at some point probably. And so I drove down a little side street, one of the one of the little cul-de-sacs in there, and I turned out my lights and I sat there and waited, and waited, and just thought, right, okay, I'm just being paranoid. And then suddenly car goes past really slowly looking around and I'm just like oh dear you know music's off by this point no more satanism yeah. <laughs> um so I wait for them to go past and then I just burn it out of there and next thing I know lights come on like they're, they're flashing me they're chasing me down I'm driving down a whole load of consecutive streets thinking like what am I gonna do this guy's behind me driving up my ass, this is like, like, like duel. Yeah, you know, I was going like, to say, yeah. it's, it's, like, it's like duel in Kingston. Yeah, <laughs> it is. So I'm driving, I'm, I'm going through Surbiton now, and I'm going really fast, and I call up I call up my flatmate, Richie, knowing that he'll still be up, and I, 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 I call him up, and I'm like, Richie, get to the front door, I'm going to drive straight up, and I'm going to run out, there's a guy chasing me. He's just like, what are you talking about? I went, just do it, I'll be there in five minutes. So I'm like, foot on the gas, pumping it down through Surbiton, and again, I see I see a red light coming, and I jump the red light, oh. and, and again these these police cars just come out of nowhere. <laughs> Schoolboy error. Schoolboy error. <laughs> and suddenly there's like four police cars blocking my way. Hey, not like, again. Yeah, again. <laughs> like you know these police running like, what the fuck are you doing? What are you doing? Like run up, drag me out of the car. I'm handcuffed. I'm on my front, being held on the floor. And they're like, what are you doing? Why are you driving like a maniac? And I'm going, I'm being chased. I'm being fucking chased. <laughs> and and then this car comes up, body kit and everything, like extra lights, all the extra, you know, the, the beamers on the front and everything. And I'm just like, it was him. He's chasing me. And then this big white guy, big bearded white guy gets out. He looks like a darts player, you know, like he sort of <laughs> gets out of this this teenagers hot rod dream car and I'm just like something's not right here and he walks up to me he goes you're a fucking lunatic <laughs> pleased to meet you too <laughs> how very nice and he's like what, what, you, what are you fucking doing and just basically like effing and blighting at me and, and finally when I've kind of put two and two together and worked out he's the police <laughs> uh, so he was and following you but he yeah. was following me and obviously he thought I was being suspicious. <laughs> and was. then you were being It was quite suspicious. Finally, <laughs> finally, when all the shouting stopped and we stopped shouting and swearing at each other and, I, and the police picked me up off the ground, 
I pointed out to him, I said, he was like, why are you driving, why are you trying to get away? Why are you driving like this? And I said, because I thought you were like some mad rude boy chasing me. <laughs> <laughs> and he looked at his car and he went, yeah, you got a point there. <laughs> do you know what this is really interesting because it sounds to me like 20 and 30 years ago the police were heavily over resourced yeah, like does, nowadays like, traffic offence five yeah, cars exactly. times have changed <laughs> I haven't yeah, seen seriously. a policeman like moving around in, in the world <laughs> for about five years in real life for, yeah have we got any left <laughs> god I don't think so but yeah those he- heady heady times when you know the police are out looking for suspicious drivers or whatever it is you were doing. The dreadlocks, non-seeks, yeah. listening to Satanist music <laughs> late at night. Um, and then, so, you know, they they dusted me down and apologised and told me to drive more safely <laughs> and stop being so suspicious. I'll <laughs> <laughs> oh, try my best. Stop it, just oh stop God. it. You look suspicious. <laughs> and then, you know, my... my uh, my flatmate at this point has probably been waiting oh, for about half an hour yeah. and I'd forgotten. <laughs> so I park up, stroll back to the flat and I get there and there's my flatmate Richie <laughs> in the doorway all like, all, all tense and like, you know, excited, like something's fucking happening in Kingston, <laughs> holding a bloody steak knife or something. Whoa. Like, <laughs> So good thing you didn't oh, go, if they, if they caught you there, they'd arrest him. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Could have been a whole different story. Nowhere near as fun. <laughs> Stay away from that Satanist jazz. Yeah, apparently so. Wow, that's intense. Your adrenaline must have been absolutely through the roof by the time yeah. they, the police pulled out in front of you and then the guy was approaching. It's like uh, the plot of some terrible film. My life, my life is a terrible film. And we're so glad that you're sharing it with us. Indeed. <laughs> well, beat that. It's up to you to beat that again. <laughs> See what I can do. <laughs> what happened the third time the police pulled and, head in front that, of you on the It's motorway? like in GTA well. when you've got four stars, <laughs> but the helicopter comes out. And... Yeah, you know I it's going to end, but yeah. I could give you many, many police stories. Really? I've been... I mean, none of these none of these stories involve arrests. You've just oh, got so that far. face, haven't you? you just, yeah. You just, they just see you and they... He's one. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is where my name comes from. You're the wrong Tom. Yeah. See, yeah, yeah, I get that. They've yeah. nicked the wrong Tom. Hey. Is actually, that a specific story? Um, they, no, this actually... This did happen one time with the, um, my dad came and, and had a word with the police and, and they said, oh, we must have nicked the wrong Tom Robinson because that's my name and it's quite yeah. a common name. And he was quite tickled by it and, <laughs> and made a joke and, and it, I, I went with it. I thought it was quite... So this was another time you were arrested? Yeah, it's another time. Yeah, and actually you arrested... I mean, I've been arrested for a lot of things. Did the arrest diminish when you got rid of your dreadlocks? No, I was told. I was told that they would, and no, they didn't at all, so it is my face. Oh, do you regret getting rid of the dreadlocks then? No, 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 not at all. No, no, I... I mean, twice I cut my locks off. One because yeah. I think I had, I think I think I had flu, and I just couldn't take having this like massive hair oh, on my God, head. Yeah. And then, uh, and then I grew it back. And I think I actually I cut them off the second time because I had a gig with Don Letts. <laughs> yeah, not, not a man to get in a dreadlock. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's exactly. just like there's too much dread going on in one room if like you've done. So um, yeah, it might have been that. It was probably yeah. around that point. I just cut my locks off and and decided to start combing my hair. Well, now you got a kind of fifties kind of what's the film? American Graffiti. Yeah, you got that kind of. I look love American on. Graffiti. <laughs> that, that's, you're like American Graffiti, but like you know, 
Kingston. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Kingston in, in a brown metro. Yeah, exactly, in a brown mini metro instead yeah. of a fancy hot rod or like a, you know, a fancy Beautiful. T-bird or something. I love it, I love it. Well, yeah. <laughs> let's, let's, let's move on to the... Well, before we do, I was just going to say, Don Letts, when I first moved to London, um, uh, I always loved Don Letts. He was, he was a big kind of hero or whatever. And uh, I was in uh, the second-hand record shop, the Music Mark, down the bottom of Soho. And I looked up and there was Don Letts. And, I would, you know, in London you kind of see famous people knocking around. You don't really see them. I was living in Portsmouth before you didn't see anyone. Mm. Not even Joe Jackson. <laughs> and uh, I, was, I, was, I was looking up and I saw this guy and I went, oh, hi, how are you? And th- thinking I must know him because I recognised him so much. And uh, he went, I'm fine. <laughs> and, and stepped back and kind of like, just basically did not want to have anything to do. I, I sort of had an awkward moment and moved away. And the next time I saw him was outside Rough Trade and he crossed the road to avoid me. Did you, you did, surely he didn't know you. He, no, he, I did. I, it, well, I was weird the first time. I, yeah. I was like, I was like, I was like, oh, so Dad, hi. <laughs> <laughs> I did that to um, at the Jazz FM Awards last year. Omar was passing me on the stairs. I've never met him before in my life, and I was like, oh, hi. And he was like, oh, how are you? Oh, nice to see you again. Like, oh, that's did the nice. Faked that's it up, nice. gave me a big hug. He was like, you look great. You smell amazing. And I was like, thanks, Omar. <laughs> he just went on his way. That's how Don Letts should react. Yeah, no one, he should have smelt you. Yeah, <laughs> no one has ever you. told me I smell amazing. No one. In all my years. Particularly Don Letts. <laughs> anyway, moving swiftly on. What is your third phonographic memory? My third choice is Drinking Song by Gary Bartz and Two Troop. Mm. Ah, Mr. Bartz. Everyone tells me I'd love Gary Bartz. I, I haven't really listened to him. Have you? I have listened to I've Known Rivers by Gary Bartz. Oh, you The really album that? and the song. Oh. Yeah. Obsessively. That is one of the most beautiful things. Yeah, no, Your I, choice is very good. Very good. But I've known Rivers. <laughs> of course it's not better. Music is a subjective art form. Carry on with your story. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Um, I mean, Drinking Song isn't my favourite Gary Bartz song. Well, it's not Gary Bartz. So I, I had this with someone the other day that they they said that um, Andy Bay is a featured artist. And I was mm-hmm. like, actually, that era is Gary Bartz and Two Troop. They're very much a band. This is really boring, isn't it? <laughs> no, this is exactly what we want um, to hear. But I love, what, what I kind love of car that are you particular driving? So there's, <laughs> there's two, um, two albums that are kind of like uh, part one and part two. of. Uh, they're called Harlem Bush Music. One's called uh, Uhuru, Uhuru and the other one's called Tafer. And this song's from Tafer. Uhuru has um, Celestial Blues, which I guarantee you'll know. Mm. But we're not going to play that. We're going to play Drinking Song (laughs) from Tafer.
some reason i had this kind of this sudden renaissance like this this kind of um, i just had to get back to it and i got really immersed in it in the mid uh mid noughties this was um when did 77 happen you know the uh, bombing 7th of july yeah but what year was it <laughs> no, it was actually i started work is my third day in london and it was uh, 2006 i think was it 2000 i thought it was like 2004 I thought it was 2005. Yeah. Five. Yeah. It must have been five at least. Yeah, I think it's 2005. Um, so that relates because it was around around that point. I've been listening to these albums a lot and I had them on in the car a lot. Do you want to know where this is going? Yeah, yeah. We, we, we've gone from, from random Gary Bart's numbers to terrorism. I'm, I'm, I'm dying to see the link. So actually on on the day... Of the um, of the bombings, I had to. I, I I was doing a remix of a band, and I had to. This was back in the day before people used to email tracks to record companies. I had to get to the label and play it to them. Oh, like physically? Yeah, I had yeah, to man, physically. That's so old school. Get, you know, get on a train and get on a tube. And, and go to the record company office and sit with them and play it to them and watch watch them scrutinise it. Like that and old Kit Kat commercial. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can't sing, you can't, you can't dance, <laughs> you look awful. You're going to go a long way. Yeah. You don't know what we're talking about, do you? No idea uh, what you're talking old about. Man talk. yeah. old, it? old man talk. Hang on, Hey, what on earth are we going to do? Didn't so, that was pretty much it, that. It was went, pretty it? much that, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm not playing that song. With... 1984 is <laughs> the year before I was born. Wow. Um, wow. Should we get a room job? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So anyway, yeah. So so on the on the day on on um, the seventh of July, two thousand and five, I went up to full time Hobby Records to deliver this remix, and I actually I went I wound up calling it my seven seven rush mix because <laughs> what was going on, like yeah. you know, I was obviously I don't want to. Make light of the situation, but like well, on just, the day, no one I really knew what was going. Yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah. It was just. 
it was mad and I spent quite a lot of the time actually on foot because you couldn't get on the tube yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and just basically like showed up a sweaty mess I'd been and I think they didn't and... they didn't even use the remix in the end which is it was tainted yeah um, I think it was just crap it's probably the title <laughs> maybe <laughs> <laughs> maybe um, so anyway that doesn't strictly relate but like that's what that's what was going on actually on the day the following Thursday I used to, every Thursday I used to play in a venue on Old Street called Shish, which was um, a kebab shop. <laughs> it was like, a, you know, a, a restaurant that did, did kebabs, yeah. uh, kind of upscale restaurant that had a, um, a cocktail bar in the basement. And me and my friend Jack used to do it mainly. And I think normally we'd drive up together. And at the time I was, I was in the burbs and I used to always drive up through Tooting for some reason rather than taking main roads. I go... I go tooting, you know, like all the way through Clapham and all that. And just, I knew I'd be sitting in traffic, but I liked going that way. I, was like, I love South London. Um, even though I've been living East for so long, mm. I'm just, I've got South London in the blood, I guess. And I was, so I'm driving through tooting on the Thursday after, and I'm listening to Gary Bartz. And um, I see a lot of police cars. Again? Yeah. <laughs> You are the unluckiest man in London. <laughs> There's a lot of police cars around tooting that day. Now, I don't know if you remember, but just after, they they collared one of the guys that was responsible who was oh, living above yes, a kebab shop yes, yes, on tooting Broadway. Yes. Anyway, so they're all on high alert because they've caught this guy. Yeah. And everyone, you know, nerves are a little bit, a little bit frayed. And... I'm just driving along, minding my own business, singing along to Gary Bartz, tapping my finger on the dashboard, having a lovely time on my way to my gig. And it's like, you know, early evening, it's very hot. And this police car just appears behind me, pulls me up, wants to know where I'm going, thinks I look a bit funny. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> this um, it doesn't matter about the dreadlocks. We've already we've already established this is, that he's perfectly he's just, normal looking. Yeah. Just got a funny face. I didn't, I've had this from a lot of police that they they can't quite uh, can't place where I'm from. Mm. You know, yeah. they're like they're like you look white, but you also look a bit funny as well. So when they say look funny, they think you're like ethnically ambiguous. That's what they mean. Yeah, yeah. I, I've a, a lot of people have issues when they can't place where people are, th are from. They, you know, it, like not just the police, just I, thought, I found this that with a lot of my mates, you know, I've grown up in London and I've got a lot of very mixed friends um, and people have an issue with it when they can't like figure out who you are or what you are yeah, and put you like in a category. People like to know yeah. what, where to put you, don't they? It's, it's that, you know, it goes back to the days of people using terms like swarthy. You know, it's like... Oh, I see. But that's that means sexy, doesn't it? Sort of dialogue. Yeah, no, no, no. Like, Swilby means... That's pirate That's like sexy. a Barbara Cartland type like... word now. I, I find, I, I, you know, what, what people probably refer to Swarvey, I think I think it's probably quite a sexy look. You know, I think... Um, uh, what's, what's his name? The guy that does all the motion capture stuff now. Um, oh, Andy Circus. Yeah, Andy Circus. Oh, he's yes. definitely what someone back in the he's day would describe as. He's sort of he's you know he's got a dark tinge to his mm. his complexion and knowing slightly you know, unshaven. Is he? Yeah, and is it like to me? I think Andy Circus is like the ultimate like image of of a Londoner. Mm. You know, it's kind of when I look back at, at growing up, he's like one of those. It's like like he's 
I, I guess there's some sort of mix in there, but I don't know what it is. And I love that. I'm not there going like, oh, well, I don't know where you're from and I don't know if I should be talking to you because <laughs> you're a bit swarthy and you might have committed a crime. But... 2005, <laughs> driving through Tooting, looking apparently a bit swarthy or something. I, I don't know. Basically, I've I've lived my life with people being a bit sketchy about my face. I mean, I did think you were face. Jewish. <laughs> a lot of people, I'm sitting here with my mate. A lot of people think I'm Jewish. I, even, I, I made a joke the other day and my girlfriend, after many years of being together, said, she said, like, you used to joke about being Jewish when we first got together and I'm starting to think you actually are and it hasn't been a joke at all. Um, <laughs> what made her say that? <laughs> I, I can't even remember, but um, but I'm not Jewish. Ah. Um, swarthy. I'm yeah, swarthy. So. I'm, I'm, like, I'm a mix of lots of stuff, but uh, on my dad's side, I'm Irish Indian. Oh, okay. Um, but anyway, so <laughs> so there I am, driving through Tooting, I get pulled over and, and the policeman does all the, the classic kind of like, he seems like I'm a bit untrustworthy and can't quite place who I am or what's going on and my car's not registered to Tooting, so why am I driving through there? I'm driving through because it's a car and the idea of cars <laughs> is you use them to get to places. <laughs> We, you know, and that kind of lip police don't like. And mm. like, I've, oh, you actually said that. To the I police. did say, you know, I've, I've said this kind of thing. I mean, one time I got pulled over by by police. Me and my mates out, and I had my hat on. I think another mate had a cap on, and someone else had a, a beanie hat on. And I asked the policeman why we'd been pulled over, and he said, I don't know, bunch of lads driving around late at night with hats on. Who knows what you're up to. <laughs> I looked at him and I pointed at the van and I pointed at his hat and I was like, I said, you're all driving around late and over hats on. <laughs> and you can imagine this didn't go down well. Anyway, but that's that's a different story. So, pulled up in Tooting. Everyone's on alert because they found this uh, this terrorist and the guy says, I need to search your car. So, I open up the boot and I got my records in the back and I had a box of 12 inches, box of 7 inches. And the guy says, like, what's in here? And I say, it's records. And then he looks at the other one. He goes, what's that one then? I mean, it's also records. <laughs> and he goes, they're too small. <laughs> I said, no, they're seven inches. He said, what are you talking about? <laughs> I said, honestly, they're records. I'm on my way to a gig in Shoreditch. I'm going to play these records to people on a record player through some speakers. Some people might dance. Hopefully, and he just he just wasn't having it. He didn't like the the cut of my like, jib. That was the CDA, you see. Right? Yeah, people had lost the faith at that point. Yeah, of course. Some, someone actually once like, this when I was at uni, um, a, uh, a girl that I knew came up. and She said, "I saw you with like those those big those big ones the other day." And I was like, "What are you talking about?" She says, "The big ones, like like my dad has, like CDs, but bigger." <laughs> I was just like, we're the same age. <laughs> I, what I, is this? I DJ with my, my mate Ben, and he exclusively plays sevens, and I pretty much exclusively play twelves. And whenever either of us plays, you know, if I play a seven inch or he plays a twelve inch, he's like, oh, a big one, oh, a little one, oh. And you're all excited about it for a few minutes. <laughs> What's he more excited about? Uh, he's more excited about my, my, when he's got a big one and I've got a little one. <laughs> You walked into that one. <laughs> I feel like you've been waiting to say that. <laughs> Just, you've been finding a way of shoehorning that one in for a while. If, I, if I'd been you waiting, I'd have said I had the big one and he had the little one. <laughs> so he's looking at my, my big box and my little box and he doesn't believe me that these are records in there. And, uh, and I was just like, I'll, I'll open it up if you want. He was like, wait, wait. 
Oh no! no just like, like, like I said, the police are yeah, on high yeah, alert, yeah, yeah. and he's he's freaking out about this. Well, you know, you're known for dropping bombs. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we should be laughing. No, no not just no, not no, 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 for myriad reasons. I, I, I should be laughing. Um, so he calls over another copper who's on the side of the street with a gun because Ooh. they're patrolling and they have guns. And he stands next to me with his gun. Doesn't point it at me, but he stands very close to me with a gun. <laughs> close enough. Well, the other, the other policeman leans in with his hand trembling, leans in to open this little box of seven inches. Come, like, like, he's got a bomb in the back of his gun. God. And I'm there just thinking, like, if this guy's wrong, I could get shot. <laughs> And then finally, you know, his trembling hand reaches the clip and opens it up, and sure enough, there's a bunch of seven inches inside, and he's looking at them, and he's pulling them out, you know, and he's looking at a bunch of, like, jazz and soul seven inches, and I'm just thinking, I'm being held at gunpoint. <laughs> for, 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 the for the funk. For the funk. And then they, uh, they said, okay, so you have records in the back of your car, you can go. God. And I got back in my car, put Gary Bartz on, yeah. Made my merry way, way back across town. And you're like, that's another song tainted by the police. <laughs> <laughs> and their hostile behaviour towards me. I I love that song. They couldn't, the police couldn't take that one. <laughs> um, that's amazing. You just know the policeman who was like, they're too small. <laughs> like, oh man, I got this guy pegged. I'm going to get a medal for this. <laughs> Busted. Imagine calling a guy with a gun over. I know, for just for the for your sevens. <laughs> Twelves are fine. Right. <laughs> you should, it would have been worse if you'd said them are forty fives. Yes, that's <laughs> true. Oh, yeah, I God. Have you ever gotten into trouble with the police and that? Well, uh, yeah, I don't know if he's fit for broadcast, but... Did Don uh, Letts get on the phone as soon as you were out of his... Don Letts is not a grass man. Don Don Letts is roots. Um, Don Letts called Stuart Copeland. When when we were were, uh, ravey ravey boys, uh, we were often up very late, as you can imagine, and uh, there used to be a multi-storey car park in Banbury, where I'm from, and... uh, we were up. We used to go up to the top because it's a nice view. Do you know what I mean? So we go up there and we, you know, leave the pub and we would take our bottles of Newcastle Brown, which we used to sneak out the back, and we'd stand on the on the top deck of the multi-story car park and look out at the lights and just shoot the breeze and talk. Um, anyway, so we're up there one night. And we're drinking away, and there's like this car parked opposite, and we were looking at it. It's kind of this big red kind of uh, like a Mondeo or something. It's just it was weird that it was parked there because you know there's a multi-story car park here. It's mm-hmm. empty. Why don't you just mm-hmm. park there? Do you know what I mean? Um, so we, me and my mate Julian were sitting there, we're chatting away and uh, drinking. And then, you know, call of nature happens. So, hey, we're on the top of the multi-story car park. It's the middle of the night. So we just have a bee off the top of the multi-story car <laughs> because that's fun, isn't it? So we're just a wee off the top of the multi-story car park laughing. And, oh, and then uh, sort of zipped up and turned around. And the, the, suddenly there's all these flashlights like coming towards us. 
And uh, this very, very cross policeman goes, stop right there. What are you doing? And, and we're, nothing, nothing. We're just having a drink. And he goes, you've been spilling that beer off the top. And I was like, <gasps> <wasn't> no. <laughs> but this is the thing. I said, I said, no, it wouldn't spill good Newcastle Brown. No, we weren't. He goes, well, <laughs> he goes, well how come my hat's wet? <laughs> <laughs> that is brilliant. It was a horrible moment. But at the same, the, it was, you know, it was... It was kind of brilliant, but the, I've never stifled a laugh harder mm. than that, that moment. <laughs> and that, yeah, glorious. We got away. Every time I drive me car, police stop me so fast. Start through me drive a Fiat and a Mercedes with me lance. Yeah, some more time I'm going to East and I'm check some Cockney. Them I tell them produce insurance license and MOT, but me say police officer no give me producer. Police officer no bother give me producer. Police officer no give me producer. Police officer no bother give me producer. Well, thank you so much for coming along and sharing those memories with us today. I heartily recommend Wrong Tom Meets, and the whole series is wonderful. But there is currently a best of compilation which is out on true thoughts label and i would also point you towards wrong tom's band campsite where there are many audio treasures stored wrong tom thanks very much cheers now we got your present you got your present oh yeah yeah it's a big one <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it what is it oh oh my god <laughs> I've got it, finally, there I've you, got it. Yeah, you got it. Oh. A man like yourself is going to have Alice Clark. <laughs> you guys. Hey. <laughs> oh, never, never, never Did I ever stop to think That I'd find myself here with you In your own world of dreams Oh, but here I If you enjoyed today's show, feel free to get in touch with us at whatgoespod at gmail.com or you can contact us on Twitter at whatgoespod or Instagram at whatgoespod.